0: Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayerful attention to Job chapter 7. Reading for our text the first part of verse 1, a question, Job's question, Is there not an appointed time to man upon earth? Job chapter 7 and verse 1. Job is in great affliction in providence. Satan had been permitted to greatly affect him, his family, his goods, and all that he had. Many bereavements, many losses of his children, his loved ones, and then he was afflicted himself with uh, boils from the head of his crown of his head to the sole of his feet. And then he had the trial with his wife, curse God and die, not submissive to the Lord's hand. And then his friends that came first to uh, sympathize with him, but in the end they were saying that as this trial goes on and on, surely there must be some reason and some cause in Job and in his life why these things had come. And yet we are told again and again at the opening chapters that God said to Satan that thou movest me against him without a cause. Job, of course, was a sinner, but he had not done those things for which these trials were coming upon him. It's the same when our Lord was accosted concerning the man that had been born blind. The scribes, the Pharisees, they said, Who hath sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? The idea was that there must be something terrible that they had done in their lives or that he had done or perhaps something that in his former life and he uh, was a reason why uh, that he had been uh, born as he had, some the strange ideas that the Jews had at that time, and yet the Lord said, This man hath not sinned, nor his parents, but that the power of God might be shown in him. Doesn't mean to say that he wasn't a sinner. He was a sinner, and he must die one day. But there was not those specific things in his life. It is something that is very common with men and with the Lord's people that when they see tribulation or the Lord's hand upon a people the immediate thought is, is something that they have done the immediate thought is if there have been things done it is because they were done wrong this is the reason why these things have come and so this added to Job's trial and to his burden And in the midst of this, he is desiring, he's looking uh, to be relieved, to be delivered, but he's not going to take his own life, he's not going to shorten his days in that way, a solemn reality for many today with no hope and seek to take their own life. Of course, all ordered by God, the solemn words of our Lord to Judas Iscariot was that he should go to his own place, that he was appointed. Judas Iscariot took his own life, no hope, just in despair, and yet it had been foretold that he should do that. We should always seek to preserve our lives and look after our bodies and do all we can that their lives be uh, prolonged. And Job had a right spirit in this, In our text and the context here, he is picturing like a hireling, like a man that is working for his wages. He is toiling in the uh, grounds and in the heat of the day and he looks for the reward of his work and it is not wrong for him to look for that time when his days' labors are finished and he can lay down and sleep and have rest after his uh, Labors, and so he says, "Is there not an appointed time to man upon earth? Are not his days also like the days of an hireling, as a servant earnestly desireth the shadow, and as an hireling looketh for the reward of his work? So am I made to possess months of vanity, and wearisome nights are appointed to me." Always think of this portion as regards my own mother when she was dying, and she was blind and dying of cancer. And for weeks or so before she died, uh, to her the night and the day were were alike; they were all the same. But the nights were marked. She didn't have the attention of her family around her as much as in the day and it was all quiet around her, and she often said of those wearisome nights, and the last hymn that we are to sing this morning, Infinite Day Excludes the Night, and Pleasures Banish Pain, was beautifully brought to my mind after she had passed away, and after I'd had that good hope of her. I thought of this, Word, wearisome nights are appointed me, yes, while here below, but in heaven, in finite day excludes the night, and pleasures banish pain, and Of course, it was so with our dear late brother, Michael Waghorn, in his many afflictions in the latter months of his life, though for many days. He struggled with various cancers and afflictions and hospital visits and operations and these things very, wearing, very, very debilitating. And yet Job here, he goes on to say in the portion that we read in Job 14, O oh, that thou wouldst hide me in the grave, that thou wouldst keep me secret until thy wrath be overpast, that thou wouldst appoint me a set time and remember me. And he says, all the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. Job was very mindful that of his affliction there was an appointed time. Sometimes when I go into the homes and the old people's homes, and we see those that are, you might say, lingering on for many, many years in utter dependence upon others round about them. And you wonder why, why the Lord keeps them here, especially when they have a good hope beyond the grave. But it is an appointed time, and they have a witness in their weakness, in their pains, a witness just like Job here, in the present dispensation of God, God's appointments for them, whether affliction or weakness or trial or providential distresses or afflictions, whatever it is, that we are to wait our appointed time. We are to know that there is an appointed time. So I want to look uh, this morning, I want to, if the Lord will, that it be an improvement to us in the Face of death yet again, an empty seat again in the house of God, and those that we've been with so and with Michael so often, several times a week, and with him in, in the hospitals and in the homes and in his own home, and the times over the years, the six years or so he's been with us here, and that we've had that fellowship in his home, in our home, and in the house of God here. The first thing I want to do is to answer uh, the question that Job asks. I want to look at this first. There's several points, so uh, I won't give them out beforehand. But Job asks this question. He says, is there not an appointed... Time to man upon earth. It's interesting in the margin it says all warfare. And the time below is a warfare. And we fight the good fight of faith when we are to be in that appointed time and it is a a warfare. But really the, the question It is an implied answer that there is, and yet these scriptures, they do set forth very clearly that there is an appointment. And of course, if there is an appointment, then there is an appointer, and that is not ourselves, it is God himself, our maker and our creator. We would remember that when we were created in Adam, Adam having not sinned at first, all God's creation was perfect and good and there was no death. There was no restriction to the time that he would spend upon earth. We do know, of course, that the fall was foreknown and appointed of God itself. But Adam, in his innocency, he did not have any set days, any limitation of those days, and no sickness, nothing attended with the curse or with corruption. All that we have and all that we suffer here below, including that there is an appointed time that we do not live forever here below, is all because of sin. And we are to remember that. We are sinners and we need to know God's remedy for sin. We need to know His great salvation. Death is ever a present reminder of us that we are under the curse and that we must die. I often have thought and, and thought again uh, with Michael's passing. When my mother passed away, my father. Prayed that the Lord would receive her spirit. When my father passed away, then I prayed the same as he breathed his last, and the same again when Michael breathed his last. And one day it shall be that I shall breathe my last, the same as I saw my father who had prayed at my mother's deathbed breathe his last. Very often we put this off. We do not think and lay to heart that one day that we also must die. Well, when Adam sinned and death entered into the world as a sentence and as God's fulfilling his word, in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And the man then lived many, many years, In those first chapters in Genesis, we read a list of many that lived over 900 years. But after each one of them, it was, and he died. As time went on, especially after the flood, those uh, years were greatly limited. We have with Abraham, 175 years. Uh, We have Jacob, much less, 137 and with Joseph, 110, and uh, the Lord has in uh, the book of Psalms, we read in Psalm uh, 90, uh, the setting of what we uh, often refer to or have in mind uh, today. This is a prayer of Moses, the man of God. He says in verse 9, for all our days are passed away in thy wrath, we spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is there strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away." We know, of course, that there are many that are cut off in childhood. They don't live beyond many years. And, of course, the millions that are murdered in the womb by abortion. But we have others that are able to live longer. Michael was 91. And we have those in the pilgrim home, one there that is 106 and those in Bethesda, there's several of them there that we visited this week that are over a 100. And yet God has appointed a time that is a general time in the strength of man. He has given that strength three score years and ten. God has appointed that time when our Lord told the parable of the rich man the rich man that had many fields and he had great uh, blessing upon his harvest. And he said, what shall I do? Where shall I bestow all my goods? And he said, I'll pull down my barns, I'll build greater and I'll say and I'll have my rest and relax and have a good life. The Lord said to him, thou fool, this night, shall thy soul be required of thee? And then, who shall those things be that thou hast provided for? What if that was the case with us? If the Lord were to say to us, this night, thy soul would be required of thee. Our Lord speaking in that way implies this, that he knew when that appointed time would be. There is an appointed time. Hezekiah, when he was sick, and sick unto death, he sought the Lord, the Lord had mercy, and the Lord said, I have added unto thy years fifteen years. The Lord could do that. He appoints a time and he gives extension of time, the psalmist in Psalm 39, he prays in this way, Behold, O Lord, make me to know mine end, and the measure of my days, what it is, that I may know how frail I am. Behold, thou hast made my days as an handbreadth, handbreadth, that's all, and mine age is as nothing before thee. Verily every man at his best state is altogether vanity Selah. There is pause. We think on those things. We read concerning Israel or Jacob. And the scripture says that the time came that Israel must die. And with you and I, The time will come that we must die. And we are told in Scripture that no man hath power over the Spirit in that day to retain the Spirit. When the Lord takes that Spirit, he takes it. A man cannot retain it. He can fight death. He can try with all his might as it were not to. But he must die. The Lord said to Peter when thou art old another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. And we have this that he spake these words signifying by what death that Peter should glorify God. The Lord not only knew his days he knew how he would die. He told Peter that. Very few are told that. John the Baptist was not told when his days should end, nor that they should be through being beheaded in the prison at the behest of a wicked woman. But those times were appointed. It is not chance. It is not in man's hand. It's in God's hand. The Hebrew children standing before Nebuchadnezzar knew that. And they knew that God was able to deliver them out of his hand. But if not, then they'd have him know that they would not serve his idols. They would not bow down to them. They knew there was one above Nebuchadnezzar one who had appointed the days of their life, had numbered them. Job, he asked this question, is there not an appointed time to man upon earth? Yes, there is an appointed time to man upon the earth. On to then think secondly of some contrasts. Right the way through scripture, there are contrasts. Contrast, if you have a piece of white paper and you put something white on it, you can't see it very well. If you put a bit of coal dust on it, you can see it very well because there is a stark contrast. And right through the word of God, especially the parables, our Lord always used contrast. He had the wheat, but not just the wheat, but the tares. He had five wise virgins, but then he also had five foolish ones to contrast with. He had those that were hearers of the word that brought forth fruit. And the one that brought forth fruit was contrasted with three others that did not. When he spoke of the way of prayer, he didn't just speak of the publican, God be merciful to me, a sinner, as being the right way to pray, but he contrasted it with the Pharisee who stood and prayed thus with himself and thanked God that he was not like other men, even like that publican, and told God all his good works and deeds. We have the contrast in the parable of the man that built his house upon the rock and one on the sand. It wasn't just one, it was both. But it was an illustration, and that parable spoke the difference between one that hears the word and does the word and one that hears the word and does not do the word. All the time there is a contrast. And so with our text, with our subject before us here, there is a contrast. There is a contrast between time and eternity. A days, a time, an appointed time to man upon earth. But what is on the other side, when he is not on earth, when he is not in time, eternity. Eternity, there is no end to that. We cannot understand eternity We cannot grasp, we find it frightening when there is something without an end. If we were to go into space and we kept on going and we got to the end of one galaxy and went to the next and to the next, all of our ideas here below is that somewhere we would get to the end. But then once there was an end, what was there further beyond that? And our minds can't can't comprehend it at all. There must be an end to us because we are in time, we're made for time and we cannot grasp eternity. And yet it is where we shall spend the rest of our existence. And it is in this time state, Shortened by God from the 900 years or so before the flood. Shortened right down to 70 and sometimes very much shorter. And it's in this time that what is done determines where we shall spend eternity. How we shall spend eternity. What a contrast. Time and eternity, such a difference that is between those two. Man goeth unto his long home, the mourners go about the streets. Do we consider eternity? Do we consider the contrast, the difference? between the two of them, the hand of time. Thinking of this and coming down to the end as well, there's a contrast between strength and weakness. How easy it is when we have our youth, when we have our health and our strength, to think that we would just go on and on and we can cope with any situation. But then when you see weakness, and I see it again and again, I see it in the pilgrim Bethesda homes, I see men and women there that I've seen in the prime of life. I've seen them strong in ministry or ministering, And now I see them, helpless and weak, depending on others for care, weak not only in body but also in mind. And I remember them and I think how they were, how they once were. And how easy we can deceive ourselves and think, well, it shall always be, we shall always have strength and health. It's a great blessing if the Lord sanctifies weakness and sickness, and affliction. And so that we realize that this body is slowly being brought down. In the closing uh, chapters of Ecclesiastes, we have in in, in chapter 12, the picture of old age, or not just old age, but when the body is starting to go down and... He says, In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble. That's our, our hands, they tremble. The strong man, they bow themselves down. You see a, a sign on the side of the road. Old people. And what is it? It's a picture of someone with a stick and they're bending down. And the grinders cease because they are few. Our teeth start to uh, drop out I remember coming back from the uh, dentist once and the dentist had given me a, a quote for several thousand pounds to replace one of my teeth with a um, implant I couldn't afford that, I didn't want to spend that money and as I was coming home I thought of this chapter but God has always appointed that our bodies should be slowly taken down and part of that we lose our teeth and it is a reminder. However old we are, these things start to happen. We start to have to have hearing aids and glasses. All of these things are covered in, in this 12th chapter of Ecclesiastes. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was and the spirit return to God who gave it. That is what death is. The Spirit returning to God that gave it, but God in mercy has given us reminders of it. Dear friends, think of this. Every infirmity you have is a reminder that your body is mortal and one day must go to the grave. It's a reminder to us. We are to listen to that. Now it's like when we first start to get these things happen, first start to have glasses or hearing aids, it's just like a knock, one knock. But then as time goes on, that knocking gets louder and louder. If God would say to us, louder and louder, Saul... Art thou prepared? Art thou ready? This body, this tabernacle is being taken down. It's slowly being brought down to the grave. Are you ready for that? These are God's kind reminders. Sometimes things in providence as well, as a thorn in the nest to make us look and awaken and shake us up from here below. What are we doing we making, as it were, our homes, our nests and everything here below and we're forgetting about what is beyond the grave. I see it so often, so much attention for this life and even sometimes so much attention uh, to preparing with funeral plans or pensions or things uh, for, for our funeral and yet the soul is utterly neglected is not regarded or not thought of at all. What a contrast, time and eternity, preparing for time, preparing for things here, making our nest here, and eternity, our soul. What time do we spend concerning our soul? What time do we spend in in prayer and in the Word and amongst the people of God, with whom we hope to be forever in eternity with. Paul says to the Thessalonians that the word came unto them, not in word only, but in power, demonstration of the Spirit and of power. He became followers of the Lord and of us. Another contrast is that God knows and we do not. You mentioned of John the Baptist and, well, you think of Jacob. He didn't know that his son, Joseph, was in Egypt and alive all those years. God knew. God knows and we do not. What a contrast that that is. How small is our knowledge, how little that we know. And you got to read Psalm 139 and or later on with the book of Job, when the Lord starts to speak to Job and directly, and Elihu first, this is the theme. Look at the heavens, look at the creation, all these things. Do you know about these? Do you know the balancing of the clouds? Do you understand these things? I do, you don't. It's all designed so that man is humbled, is brought low, to realise his real place before Almighty God, before he gets to the judgment throne, before he enters eternity, before it is too late. And then there's the contrast that time is in God's hand and not in ours. How often we like to manage things, just to think it is in our hand and we are in control but God is in control and as it it is in his hand not in our hands throughout the word of god there are contrasts as well between the righteous and the wicked between their end god's people's end and the end of others the book of Psalms begins with such a contrast. Sometimes it does not appear. And it is a trouble to the people of God, as in Psalm 73, where it said, With the wicked there are no bands in their death, they are not in trouble as other men are. And what we've got to remember is that with God's people, of all people, they know the worth of a soul, They know what death is, separation of body and soul. They know there is a judgment. They know they are sinners. They know what they deserve. Whereas the wicked, very often, they have shut their ears and shut their eyes. And they go on blissfully in ignorance as Bunyan portrays his ignorance in Pilgrim's Progress just vainly hoping all will be well and all be right, but they're not living in reality. They're not living by faith. They're not living in the Word of God. There is is a blissful ignorance and total denial of the facts that are staring them really in the face, but they don't see. May we never be like that. May the Lord deliver us from being like that. But may we truly ask ourselves, do we really know what our souls are and what eternity is and what is before us and what account we must give of our lives and of our souls. I want to then think of our appointed time in the page of history. We read in Deuteronomy One of the blessings, as thy days, so shall thy strength be. And sometimes, of course, we rightly apply it to whatever is our appointed time, our appointed days, that God will give us strength equal to our day. But it also applies to our days, We are warned not to compare and say, why are these days not like the former days? And of course we think of Bible times and the way they fought their wars was with bows and arrows and spears and swords and they used horses for transport. How different than today. When we have nuclear wars we have uh, ways of destroying people from miles and miles away and of great destructions. Not only firearms, but missiles and all sorts of things. We live in a very, very different world today. And yet the Lord knows these things. He's appointed these times. In the scriptures we are told that in the last days knowledge shall increase, and it has. And there shall be men going to and fro, and we do. We get in aeroplanes and fly from one place to another. All these things are foretold. The Lord knows them all. And our time is appointed. We might think that our days are harder and more difficult, but they are not. If we were to go back to the days of our forefathers, we'd see trials there that we never imagined or never could enter into. They couldn't enter into ours, our electronic age, our age when uh, instead of physical labour, we have much more mental labour. And yet our appointed time, God has appointed what page of history we should occupy, when our lives should begin and when they should end. Some of those who, a hundred years of age, they could think back what a change has been in their lives, what differences have happened in their lives. And those of us that are younger, we knew those times before there was ever computers or anything electronic like that. And we've seen that change. But these things are in the Lord's hand. And we should then seek to use our time rightly. And I want to think of this in our last point, our use of our time. We shouldn't be thinking that, well, there are things in our day that somehow make it that the Word of God is not relevant or oh, it is so more difficult for us to serve the Lord or to seek the Lord. Never has there been the word of God more available to man. Sometimes it struck me in looking at things on the YouTube and you see something that is a message of salvation, a message for a soul. And there might be a few hundred people that have looked at that you get something else and there will be millions that look at it you get something that speaks of the clear gospel just a few hundred there's one man that speaks about coming back from death and his experience he doesn't speak of our Lord Jesus he doesn't speak of the gospel he doesn't speak according to the word of God. There's something men are interested in. And well over 18 million have looked at that. People, we are spiritual. And they're interested in things beyond the grave. Interested even in eternity, the spiritual realm. But when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ and the truth and the word of God, they're not interested. Dear friends, never fall for that trap. If you and I care for our souls, then we'll seek salvation in the one and only way that God hath appointed, and that is through the one name given among men whereby we must be saved. Man is so fallen, He will choose anything but God's way, anything but the gospel, anything but the word of God. And yet the gospel is free and is declared through all the earth salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Come unto me all ye that labour and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Come ye to the waters They are freely given, freely set forth, but man has no need of it. Dear friend, if you have need of it, if you have that need of salvation, your soul weighs upon you, the eternity weighs upon you, your sins weigh upon you, then may you in mercy seek unto the God of salvation, unto your Creator, my Creator, the only name given among men whereby we must be saved. It is a great blessing to feel our need of salvation, the reality of our soul, and it is a great blessing to have been pointed to the Word of God and to know the Word of God and to have been shepherded that here are the words of eternal life. This is what we seek after. Have we that aim and that desire to know the Lord Jesus Christ, to know his salvation? There are very few upon this earth that the Lord in sovereign mercy has brought them to feel their sinnership, their inability, their dependence upon the Lord and to be brought to seek salvation in his own appointed way by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord came to this world. His time was appointed, foretold 4,000 years before he came. And when he came, then he suffered in the place of his people. He lived a perfect life, sinless and full Of obedience is father, wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? Then he laid down his life freely. I lay it down of myself, no man taketh it from me. I lay it down that I might take it again. This commandment have I received from my father. And he laid down his life for the sheep, and suffered and bled for his people to put away their sin and rose again the third day for their justification. And the blessing of spiritual life is to be given eyes to see, a heart to perceive God's provision in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hymn says, Thou, O Christ, art all I want, all in all in thee I find. Another hymn writer says, I could from all things parted be, but never, never, Lord, from thee. Our time here, redeeming the time, should be living to the honour and glory of God and seeking the Lord for his salvation. What a solemn thing for sinners to be virtually shunning the Lord's provision, ignoring it, ridiculing it, living their lives as if it didn't exist or as if they didn't need it. What a solemn thing to be so despising that work of our Lord even unto death, to suffer, bleed and die. But what a blessed thing if we value it, we don't despise it, we seek it, we want an interest in it. Our prayers, our desires, our longings, our Lord speak unto my soul that thou art my salvation. I think of the beautiful words in in Romans 8, the words of those that desire the way of salvation and to seek after, no Romans 10, those who seek not to by their own works attain heaven But confess the Lord Jesus Christ, the word of faith. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whoso believeth on him Shall never be ashamed. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a great blessing that we have heard, it goes on later, hearing and calling upon him whom they have believed. And if the Lord has blessed us in that way, then may we really realize such a blessing that of the countless millions of this world, many have no desire to know anything of the things of God. Others, they have a name to live and have fashioned themselves out of religion, sometimes even in the name of Christ. It's all in their hand and all in their power and all on their terms. But may we be poor sinners that come on God's terms, come begging as the publican did for mercy, and seeking his grace, and seeking an interest in his precious sin-atoning blood, resting solely upon his work, his blood. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. How are we spending our time? How are we wasting our time? How are we living our lives? May the death of one be the life of another, or the awakening or stirring up of another and leave us not to be settled upon our knees and drifting on unto a never-ending eternity. May our last end truly be like the righteous. Balaam prayed that, but solemnly his life was not with the righteous. It was against the righteous. The Lord deliver us from praying or thinking even the same thing. We want the end of God's people but we don't want to live their lives and we're not carefully watching, praying over and looking at our lives, examining them with the word of God. Is there not an appointed time to man upon earth? Yes there is, for me, for you. How are we using that appointed time and how will it be? when that appointment which you and I must must take, we can't ignore it, the appointment with death, the appointment with our maker and our creator, how will it be then with us? May the Lord bless this word and bless this time and make it that we are found a prepared people, a people ready, those five wise people Virgins who had oil in their vessels with their lamps. They didn't just have the lamp of profession. They truly had the grace of God with them as well. The Lord had his blessing. Amen.